Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 380, chapter 56, Power. Alvarin sent for me again the next day, and soon the two of us were strolling along the garden paths again, his hand resting lightly on my arm. Let's head toward the south side, the mare pointed with his walking stick. I hear the cellus will reach full bloom soon. We took the left turning of the path, and he drew a breath. There are two types of power, inherent and granted, Alvaron said, letting me know the topic of today's conversation. Inherent power you possess as part of yourself. Granted power is lent or given by other people. He looked sideways at me. I nodded. Seeing my agreement, the mayor continued. Inherent power is an obvious thing. Strength of body, he patted my supporting arm. Strength of mind. Strength of personality. All these things lie within a person. They define us. They determine our limits. Not entirely, your grace, I protested gently. A man can always improve himself. They limit us, the mayor said firmly. A man with one hand will never wrestle in the roundings. A man with one leg will never run as quickly as the man with two. An Adam warrior with only one hand might be more deadly than, than a common warrior with two, your grace, I pointed out, despite his deficiency. True, true, the mayor said crossly. We can improve ourselves, exercise our bodies, educate our minds, groom ourselves carefully. He ran a hand down his immaculate salt-and-pepper beard. For even appearance is a type of power, but there are always limits. While a one-handed man might become a passable warrior, he could not play a lute. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This discussion of power, where power lies, is familiar to me for, well, several reasons. It, it seems to come up a lot in contemporary fantasy, or at least the kind of contemporary fantasy I find myself reading. Game of Thrones has a recurring riddle about the nature of power, and arguably one of the central themes of Game of Thrones is what makes power, where does power reside? And uh, the Masquerade series, another book that I've spent a lot of time with and Jeremy has as well, uh, uses almost the exact same metaphor re repeatedly, especially in the third book, where it asks, where does power reside? Is it in the hands of, I can't remember the metaphor it uses, but it's almost exactly the same. It uses a very similar riddle to the Game of Thrones one, where there's a, a dinner party and there's poison and there's three people, a king, a, a cleric, and a, a rich man. And they each say, I have power over you, so give me the antidote. And this reminds me of that. I was thinking about this too, because I had the same thought reading the page. And I think that it's, it's a theme that tends to come up a lot in fantasy, just by the nature of, <laughs> by the nature of who fantasy fiction tends to be concerned with and the kinds of issues that it tend to come up in the settings that it's in like fantasy, especially epic fantasy is often in like a setting where there is like, a feudal monarchy or uh you know like a kind of like powerful aristocracy of some kind there's often a question of like well who is going to control this kingdom even in you know all the way back to the granddaddy lord of the rings you know there's one of the central themes of that book is like the corrupting nature of power the ring that grants ultimate power like is literally magically a corrupting influence that will turn even the purest person into a monster given enough time um, but there's also the question of like, well, who is going to rule the kingdom of Gondor? The kings are all dead. There's a steward in charge, but 
Aragorn has the like the birthright, but does that make it okay for him to take over power from this family that had been in power this whole time? Like, where does legitimate power lie is a, a common theme in these kinds of works. So it doesn't surprise me to see it show up here. I, I was just going to say that uh, I'm sort of, unlike Game of Thrones and The Masquerade, which are concerned with the nature of power as central themes and as plot drivers, I'm not totally sure what purpose this conversation serves yet. I would need to finish the scene to be reminded of perhaps of, of where it goes, because this this book, while certainly is concerned with the nature of power, I would argue it's more concerned with the nature of agency and being able to exert like to what extent an, an individual can exert control over their environment uh, and the way Quoth is empowered to do it through his wits and his magic. But it's less about the nature of systemic power in the way that, you know, Game of Thrones or uh, Masquerade is. I guess you could make the argument that because Quoth is a low status character who does not have a lot of institutional power in his world, it's it's exploring issues of power from the perspective of a low status person who has no power. And it's probably no accident that one of his chief antagonists is like the embodiment of someone who has power who did nothing to earn it or deserve it except the fact that he was born with it. Yeah, that's a good observation. I suppose that is the thematic reason for this debate. It's someone with no institutional power speaking with someone with all the institutional power and making good arguments for their worldviews. Like one would, one might think that Quoth makes the arguments he does largely because he has no choice. Like if Quoth didn't believe that a person could work to better themselves, he would be in despair because that's the only way he is able to exert any influence on his environment. Mm -hmm. I can't help but suspect that a person who was differently abled might uh, take exception to Quoth's description of being one-handed as a deficiency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I feel like they haven't reached that level of woke discourse in Tamarant yet. Although I feel like it's not Quoth's point that it's a deficiency. I think it's the mayor's point that it's a deficiency. Just describing it as a deficiency, I think uh, might hit different in 2021 than when this book was written. I agree. I just don't think that like, putting it on Quoth as a character would be correct in this instance because he's just reacting to the mayor. If we have to pick a character to be wrong here, it's the mayor. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm mostly just like, I find it a little, I was, you know, it's a little bit of a, a sharp intake of breath when you encounter the word deficiency in this context. I think, I don't think this is a, this is a word chosen to tell us something about the character. I think it's a word chosen perhaps uh, without completely considering the depth that it's uh, suggesting, and it might be a word that an author might reconsider using uh, in 2021 versus 2011. Yeah, you know what? The obvious word to use there is handicap. Uh -huh. Because he's going to have one less hand. Uh. <laughs> so you're saying they should use it for a punny reason. <laughs> yes, that's correct. The, does I don't know that this book is uh, totally full of dad joke puns like that. I don't know if it would uh, would really suit the rest of the narrative. Look, you you, you got to put in the little nuggets wherever you can. Yeah, you got to get your kicks wherever you can, especially when you have two feet and only one hand. Oh, mm -hmm. God. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably want to learn a more like kick focused martial art if if that's you know if that's what you're working with. Mm-hmm. You want to become a dive kick master.
Jordana, you've been uncharacteristically quiet. I don't know that I really have a lot of notes on this page. Other than maybe that, like, upon first read, if you don't really think about what's, or if you want to think about what's coming, but you haven't read the book previously, this almost feels like it's a conversation that's about to become, like, the mayor telling Quoth, like, I have power over you. I, that's, I'm pretty sure that's not where it goes, but it almost, like, if you were to read it as a first-time reader, it feels like that is an option for where it could go. Putting that in there now is is good because so far what we've been given about the mayor is either pretty, like, neutral, it's not good, it's not bad, or it's been, like, mildly positive. But we still, as readers, don't feel like we can fully trust the mayor. And I think that this is a good point to put in, like, this little moment where it makes you uneasy about whether or not folks can trust the mayor and, like, whether or not that power structure is going to work out for them on this page, like just kind of like sneaking it in. Uh, And I think you could read this page as the mayor engaging in what he believes is healthy debate, but he also starts to get cross when Quoth pushes back too much because he's probably not used to being debated too much. He's used to people saying, well, yes, of course, of course you're correct. I mean, that's not a debate then, is it? (laughs) Exactly, but like, I wonder if that's kind of what's going on in the background. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's page because Quoth capitulates on the next page. He doesn't say he doesn't say I decided to let the mayor have his way, but you one might wonder if that's what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm excited for tomorrow then. Yeah, I was gonna say like the mayor doesn't have to tell Quoth that he has power over him because it's obvious to everybody without it having to be said that he does. Right, but people who have power love to lord it over other people. Like, someone who has power loves to be able to be like, hey, guess what? I have power over you. <laughs> right. A newly powerful person would lord it over Quoth in that gauche way. But the mayor was born with power. All his ancestors were born with power. So he takes it as a natural law of the universe that everybody understands that he has power over them. And so while he does flaunt his power by making you wait three or four days just to see him. He doesn't feel the need to tell you because that would be like rude and uncivilized to say, you're, you're my social inferior and I have power over you. He tells Quoth that through what he, through how he behaves, not with his words. Yeah, but he's still communicating that knowingly. I don't even know if it is deliberate on his part. I think he doesn't think about it. Because he doesn't have to think about it. Because the entire world is bent to his whim without him doing anything about it. Like, that's just the way the world works. Mm. Debatable. I'm not sold. Well, we can return to this debate as Quoth and the mayor continue to debate. We have a letter today. Mailbag! This letter is from RJ, who writes on a hill to poop on. What? Pagerinos. You heard me. Pagerinos. For all the work Pat Rothfuss does in world building, we never hear much about the sewage system in Temerant. We know there are chamber pots, but who empties them? Where does the poop go? Before the modern sewer system, I believe, some European cities simply had trenches connected to existing drainage pathways for people to empty their waste in. Gravity would bring the waste downhill to empty into the river. Perhaps this is part of the reason rich folks preferred to live uphill much less chance of having to smell the entire town's waste. I'm sure a similar system is in place in Severin, though we don't hear about it. I think also that a town like Severin would be built onto a hill, so it would be easier to see incoming threats and easier to defend. Sadly, this didn't work for Denethor at Minas Tirith. Keep in mind also that Mir Terenia was built into the mountains, presumably for these same reasons, though we don't know where the rich people lived. 
XOXO signed RJ. It's true that it didn't work for Denethor, but also he was corrupted by gazing into the Palantir and eventually invited the forces of Sauron to capture uh, Minas Tirith. He ceased to be interested in defending it as the toxic influence of Sauron and the ring drove him mad. And that's why you have to cut toxic people out of your life, especially when they're staring at you through one of the, the lost seeing stones. It's also worth remembering that basically before modern plumbing, cities were like notoriously disgusting and nobody wanted to live in them because they were stinking of shit all the time. Especially in like Europe. I think in other parts of the world, uh, they had worked out like better ways to get rid of um, to get rid of waste. Like I know, oh, there's like an ancient city somewhere in the Indian subcontinent that has like a like a, a fully functioning like copper you know, citywide sewage system 6,000 years ago or something. But uh, European cities for most of like the Middle Ages and modernity were just like disgusting, like shit pits. And you can join us on this shit pit on tomorrow's page. Of the win. win.